You are locked on Cougars. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the show. Yes, I am still on vacation, but no, I'm not leaving you guys empty-handed. I don't know what happened in last night's game because I'm recording this podcast a week out from the USF game. But nonetheless, a huge showdown for BYU as they take on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I am looking forward to this one, and I figured, you know what? I might as well welcome in a guy who knows a whole lot more about the Gonzaga Bulldogs than myself. That would be Andy Patton from Locked On Zags, a guy that is engrossed in Gonzaga basketball, does a great job for the Locked On Podcast Network covering that team. Well, he is the man, the myth, the legend that is going to join us on today's show to talk about Gonzaga basketball ahead of their showdown tomorrow night at the Marriott Center. So without further ado, let's dive in on a Friday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 4th, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Without further ado, though, on today's show, I am making way for a guy who knows a whole lot about the Gonzaga basketball program, a whole lot more than I pretend to know. He is Andy Patton, host of Locked On Zags, covering all things Gonzaga basketball for the Locked On Podcast Network. He was kind enough to spend some time with me while, uh, I guess, ahead of time while I'm on vacation to talk about what to expect from Gonzaga this season. What is the ceiling for the Gonzaga Bulldogs this season? What can they accomplish? Well, without further ado, let's bring Andy in. Andy, thank you so much for making some time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to hear from you, Jake. Absolutely. I, and this is something I've been meaning to do for quite some time. Obviously, we mm-hmm. added the Gonzaga podcast a while back. You are officially, I guess, the second host of it, but fun to have another West Coast Conference team, even though BYU will be moving on to the Big 12 here in the relatively near future. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bulldogs. Obviously, they made that run last year to the national title game. They have been just an absolute dominant force in the sport for many, many years. Where does this team currently, this year's team, kind of stack up in your mind as compared to some of the previous ones we've seen that have been pretty good? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think one that that obviously will have a more definitive answer when we see how the how the, the final results go. But you know, obviously, two of the last four teams have gone through the national championship game. Uh, one of those seasons, they were on pace to be a one seed again before COVID ended the season early. The other team, I think, went to the elite eight. So we're talking about a really excellent five-year run for this program on top of, you know, a 15-year run before that that wasn't too shabby either. Um, But I think looking at this team, I mean, obviously the biggest difference between this team and last year's team is the presence of Chad Holmgren. I mean, I think you you talk about, you know, last year's team relied really heavily on Drew Timmy as a scorer. And of course they had really solid outside shooters in Corey Kispert and Joel Eiei. And of course, a a phenomenal playmaker in Jalen Suggs, which are kind of elements that are not quite as present on this year's team. They have good guard play this year, but not not quite to that level, certainly not at least uh, in terms of outside shooting. But last year's team lacked interior presence outside of Timmy on both the offensive and the defensive end. And Timmy is not a great defensive player. So last year's team really struggled to defend the rim. Uh, and, and it didn't hurt them much throughout the year, even even in non-conference when they played you know very solid teams like Kansas and Virginia and 
and Iowa, they, they managed to kind of survive, but we saw a Baylor team that was super aggressive at getting to the rim, that was hyper aggressive against Gonzaga's guards, uh, in, just in terms of their defense, they're really physical with them, and that created a lot of problems. A lot of those issues are, are no longer <laughs> concerns because of Chet Holmgren. He's such a dynamic presence defensively around the rim, even when he's not racking up like really gaudy block numbers, which he usually does. But even in games where he doesn't, uh, the impact that he makes is just tremendous. He, he forces opposing guards to not come into the paint. They have to settle for mid-range shots. They have to be better uh, outside. It, you know, they got to shoot better from three. Uh, and so I think, and, and he's starting to come into his own offensively too. That was something that, you know, he, he wasn't super aggressive with his shot offensively. He wasn't uh, missing a bunch of shots early in the year. He just wasn't taking a lot of them. And now we've seen him kind of develop into this more of a offensive weapon uh, on the perimeter, in the paint, uh, in the mid-range. He's starting to show some of that kind of Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway stuff that we saw a lot from him in high school. So having a player like that added to a roster that, uh, is already extremely talented with, you know, the return of Drew Timmy, a beefed-up Anton Watson, who's a much better player than he was last season, uh, and and a lot of really talented young guards as well. Uh, it's it's tough to, to say. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're a streakier team as an outside shooting team, which is something that I think could impact them potentially in March if they don't, uh, if, if a team finds a way to kind of bottle up Drew Timmy. But uh, this team is, is definitely at least as good as any of those other teams that we've seen uh, and, and just in different ways in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I know it's a kind of a canned answer about Holmgren to call him a unicorn, but I truly believe he is just that. He's seven foot, 190 pounds. He's just as adept shooting the three. It feels like he is, he is blocking a shot. Is he, is he what you expected, I guess, in your mind when he showed up there in Spokane? Yeah, he's, he is becoming that. I think like, you know, he, Early in the year, he was shooting, I think, like 17% on three-pointers in the half-court offense, which was really hurting Gonzaga. He wasn't taking a ton of them, but he just was not knocking them down. And Gonzaga's offense relies heavily on the high-low offense kind of mechanism where one of the posts is up at the top of the key, the other post is establishing position down low. In this case, it's usually Chet Holmgren at the top, Drew Timmy down low. And it's really, it's, it's not a complicated offense, but it's very difficult to stop if the player down low is as good at scoring around the rim as D. Timmy, and the player at the top of the key is as good at shooting threes as Chet Holmgren was. And so when he was kind of struggling, it, it made that offense a little tougher to run. But now that he has started knocking those down more consistently, he's better at moving without the basketball, which is something I think he was, <laughs> to be honest, I think he wasn't used to not getting the basketball almost immediately. So he was not, sure what to do when he didn't have the basketball in his hands. So it took him a little time to kind of get that rhythm offensively. But the player we've seen in, in WCC play, and even the, first, the few games before that, like the Texas Tech game, he has been everything you could have possibly imagined. He's such an elite rim protector, such a, a good outside shooter, a good low post score. He's shooting like 70% on two-point shots. Most of them are dunks, but still, you know, really nice to see him do that. Uh, it's it's you get spoiled. It's it's hard to. It's going to be interesting watching this team and not having a player like that because we're we're almost getting used to it already. How how dynamic and just the, the ability that he has to do basically everything on the basketball court at his size is is incredible. B 
be it far from me to to I guess get too effusive in my praise, but I absolutely love Drew Timmy as a player. I, I think he's lights out. He has a really I think unique style to him, and just the overall the way he plays the game. Is it too much to say that as he goes, so will Gonzaga go this season? It's, I think it's a little less that case as much as it was last year. Certainly, if you were to look at Drew Timmy's performances in the NCAA tournament last year, uh, he carried them in a significant way. I think he had like 25 against USC in the Elite Eight. He had a monster game against Oklahoma uh, to send them to the Sweet 16. Like, really tremendous performances. And then a lot of people like to talk about how much Gonzaga's guard struggled with, with Baylor's backcourt and they did but Drew Timmy did not have a good game either and that was a huge significant part of of their struggles in that game uh, we did recently see a bad Drew Timmy game he, he really struggled a bad first half from Drew Timmy I should say against the University of San Francisco a really really good team that you guys obviously ran into recently uh-huh. uh, secured a victory against but he I think he went Timmy went one for uh, nine one for ten in the first half against San Francisco, and it was a three-point game. And then Gonzaga pulled away and won by, you know, 15 or so because Drew Timmy scored 18 points in the second half. So uh, while I think they have, you know, a better front court options than they did last year because they have Chet Holmgren and they, ha- they have Anton Watson, who's more of an offensive threat, they still really rely on him. And if he's having an off night and missing shots that he normally makes, which is very rare, but when it does happen, you saw this Gonzaga team kind of, they kind of floundered a little bit and they struggled and they, they found their footing in the second half. But, you know, if, if it happens for longer than a half, you could see this team running into some trouble. He is, he's that important to what this team does. There you go. Part one with Andy Patton from Locked On Zags. We'll get to more in just a moment, though. First, though, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Built Bar. We talk a lot about this company, but I'm telling you, folks, they are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had. Built Bars are a game changer in the in the protein bar game because they are incredibly delicious. You will not believe how good they are, but you also will also not believe how incredibly healthy they are despite how good they taste. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, just four grams grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs with 17 grams of protein packed into each bar. They're also covered in 100% real chocolate. Folks, they are the best protein bars that I have ever had. You can go to built.com right now, peruse all the different options available to you guys. They've got both fruit and chocolate flavors as well as just a myriad of other flavors. I am a huge fan of cherry barcia, orange, uh, the coconut brownie chunk or coconut brownie crumble, I think is what it's called. Uh, One of those two. Regardless, that is the goat in my mind and obviously he was established as the GOAT last year via the built bracket they had during March Madness last year. Just suffice it to say, built bars, they're worth every penny you spend on them, but we're also going to save you some pennies on them as well. When you go to built.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. More importantly, we support our friends at Built Bar. You're supporting BYU football in the process via their name, image, and likeness agreement they have with the entire BYU football program. So once again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Support BYU football, get enjoying the best tasting protein bars, and do it with our friends at Built Bar. Talking here with Andy Patton, host of Locked on Zags, covering the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And Andy, I want to talk a little bit with you about uh, this Gonzaga program as a whole. You're a longtime observer of this program. Mark Few has done an incredible job for 20 years now of building this program into the juggernaut that it is. What, at this point, uh, is, I guess, the is the last thing is just winning a national title? Is that kind of the last thing that they need to accomplish? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's... 
there there are obviously detractors who will continue to uh, lament the the conference that Gonzaga is in and uh, seems to believe in a lot of ta- a lot of situations that even when they do win games in the NCAA tournament, it is because they were more well rested. And I mean, I don't, I don't buy into a lot of that stuff. It's easy to jump on. This is why they lost instead of acknowledging when the team does really well. And Gonzaga has, has continually proven time and time again, that, you know, the high seeds that they get are, are rarely, if ever undeserved. They have lost so few games to lower seeds in the NCAA tournament. I know that they common uh, misconception about this program is that they lose to, like way lower seeds. And it just, it, it happened once my senior year, which was devastating. They lost to nine seeded Wichita state who went all the way to the final four. Um, but for the most part, that doesn't really happen. So I think this team has proven that they are capable of playing at this level. They've proven that they're capable of winning a lot of games, not just in the regular season, not just in the non-conference, but in March as well, but they haven't proven they can win a national championship. I mean, <laughs> that is the one argument that people still strongly have. And it is indisputable. This team has yet to win a national championship. They've gone to two in a four-year span, which is remarkable, and very few teams have done that. But, you know, it's, it's, it, there's, still, there's still no hardware. So I think that's the next big step, obviously, for Coach View for this team. Uh, this is the roster that is, is really well-equipped to do so. Uh, there's obviously a lot of other very talented teams at the top this year with Auburn, with, uh, you know, with Duke is still always up there well. Uh, Arizona, UCLA are kind of in that conversation as well. But, but this is this is a good year for Gonzaga to finally get over that hump because at that point, you know, there's there's not a whole lot else that they need to prove. But that is still something that's on the plate. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Andy, but I believe this is the first year that Mark Few has not had Tommy Lloyd alongside him. Is that right? As yes, as head as, coach, as, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Mark Few was an assistant in the yeah. early '90s, but since he's been the head coach, Tommy Lloyd has always been there. So, Tommy and I've talked to enough people who have just who who have been effusive in their praise of Tommy Lloyd and what he's done. Obviously, he's done great things down there at Arizona in his first year as the head coach of the Wildcats. How much, or maybe maybe it's too early early to tell, but how critical was Tommy Lloyd to building this program? Yeah, it's it's a question that a lot of people have wondered, and certainly uh, when Gonzaga went through a slower stretch earlier this year, when they when they lost to Duke and lost to Alabama and struggled against the Tarleton State squad from the WAC, uh, that three game stretch I think scared a lot of people. And and one of the common things that I was hearing that a lot of Gonzaga fans were hearing was was that this Tommy was the person who helped with this stuff. You know, anything that Gonzaga struggled with this year, which was turnovers for a little bit, three point shooting. Everybody said, well, that must have been what Tommy did, which was probably a little unfair. I don't think that Tommy was the reason that Andrew Nembhard had a few bad games where he made bad passes like that. That doesn't seem like it connects to me 100%. But but certainly Tommy was a big offensive mastermind. Uh, he did a lot of the substitution patterns, which is something we have seen be changed a little bit this year. And so that's kind of one of the few noticeable differences is how Gonzaga does substitutions. But Tommy obviously is a, is a great basketball mind. I think it's it's hard to tell exactly what kind of impact he's had uh, on Gonzaga's program and even a little bit on Arizona's. Obviously, they're having a, a ton of success, which is fantastic. But I'll be really curious four, four or five years from now when he starts getting his own recruits in because that was a huge part of what he did at Gonzaga. He was known. He was their international recruiter. So the the Rui Hachimeras, the Montes Sabonis's, Shemek Karnowski's, Kevin Pangos from Canada, Romy Turioff, all of those types of guys were recruited by Tommy Lloyd. And so he had this huge role in Gonzaga. 
very recently, even before Lloyd's departure, had started to focus a little bit more on kids in the U.S. Obviously, you know, Zach Collins was a five-star recruit from the U.S. and Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs, both from Minnesota. But but Tommy had this huge impact of bringing in all these international players. And I think that that's going to continue at Arizona. He obviously brought a former Gonzaga commit and Umar Balo over Mm -hmm. to the Wildcats. And he's been playing extremely well for them in a backup role. And so I think we're going to see this Arizona team continue to be really good because Tommy is not only proving uh, right in front of us that he's a great basketball coach, but he's already has this reputation as a great uh, recruiter as well. So I think this program is going to continue to grow. And, and if Gonzaga starts to slip a little bit in recruiting, then I think we're going to feel it even more. Uh, the, the fan base certainly is going, to, is going to really miss him a lot, but hopefully uh, the other coaches on the staff will pick up the slack there. Yeah, on the recruiting front, I wanted to ask you about that. What is the philosophy now? Is, is Few all in on finding the best talent he can, whether it's a one-and-done in the case where we expect a guy like Chet Holmgren, we saw Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs go one-and-done. Is he all in on recruiting the best talent domestically? Is he open to all avenues? What, what is going to be the philosophy, I think, going forward here for Gonzaga? I don't get the sense that they're, that he's that dug into the one-and-done culture. Uh, for, for the class of 2022, for example, uh, Gonzaga only has one player committed, uh, and he's a four-star recruit, Braden Huff, uh, from the Midwest. And he's, he's not – I mean, they're not looking at him as a one-and-done at all. Uh, they don't have any other players. The McDonald's All-American team got named. The only player on that roster who's undecided is Anthony Black. Anthony Black is considered a strong candidate to go to Gonzaga. So they may end up with – an All-American after all. But they, I, even when you look at Jalen and Chet, like obviously the, both of them are one and done. Jalen already is so Chet will be. There's no, no doubt about that at all. But both of them really seems to kind of buy into not necessarily needing to, to put up the gaudy numbers and be this like, you know, be the face of their team. Like Chet Holmgren came to a team where he wasn't even going to be the face of the front court. You know, he joined the team with the National Player of the Year candidate in Drew Timmy. And I think a lot of players maybe wouldn't have done that. And I don't necessarily blame them. I can understand that. Gonzaga's first big game of the year was against Texas. Uh, Drew Timmy had 37 points. Chet had two. That was one of his first big exposures to being on this big stage. And people kind of panicked for a little bit until, you know, he started to kind of get his rhythm. And now there's not as much concern. But I don't think he would have, t- you know, Mark Few wanted a player who would be willing to take a role that maybe isn't what you would expect from the number one recruit in the country. I think Chet is, to use the same word we always use to describe him, he's a bit of a unicorn in the sense that he had the mentality where he was willing to come to a school where he doesn't, he's not going to be relied upon to score 25 points per night. And some some players may want to to be the guy who takes all the shots because it's going to make their numbers a little bit more impressive. And I think that's kind of the Gonzaga way in a lot of ways is, uh, is still finding players who maybe are more likely to accept their role. You know, you look at Zach Collins, the first one and done in Gonzaga's history from that 2016-17 team. He came off the bench. He didn't, he didn't start for that team. And, and now they have a, a, you know, a role player in Nolan Hickman, a point guard, backup point guard, who may or may not end up declaring for the NBA draft. It's unclear at this point, but he was a top 20 recruit in his class. But he came in knowing, hey, you know, he decommitted from Kentucky, came to Gonzaga knowing I'm not going to start on this team because they have Andrew Nampard. They have, you know, Rasir Bolton grad transfer. And so I think they're still kind of trying to toe the line of like, we want the absolute very best players that we can get because we really want to get this monkey off our back and win that national championship while still not 
necessarily going the full Kentucky route of having four or five players on your team who are only going to be there for a year. We will round out this edition of Locked On Cougars in just a moment with Andy Patton. Some final thoughts from him ahead of the matchup between the Cougars and the Bulldogs tomorrow night down there in Provo. A huge opportunity for BYU to get a huge win if they were able to pull off the upset. I, for one, let me be clear about this, I don't expect them to do that, but it is an 8 o'clock tip-off between the Gonzaga Bulldogs and BYU. That game, I think, is going to be an absolutely raucous one. It always is when Gonzaga comes to town to Provo. I'm sure it'll be packed to the gills, and I will be watching from afar from my hotel room in Florida, but very much looking forward to watching the game all the same. But more in a moment with Andy Patton. First, though, today's show has been brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. There might be less football being played, obviously, the Pro Bowl this weekend, the Super Bowl just a week out, but BetOnline has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from points scored, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is your number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And obviously, it's still relatively early on in the year. With a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag. You can sign up for free there today and also make sure you receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use the promo code Locked On to get started and get that welcome bonus. And it's not just football, my friends. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline remains the number one spot for your online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and also play your favorite games online. And also, once again, make sure you use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the future for Gonzaga now because BYU obviously will be joining the, the Big 12 in mm-hmm. expected in 2023. It's not, I guess, officially official, but that's the expectation. Now with the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga's been the big dog for so long and I fully expect that will continue. But what are the future prospects? Is Gonzaga, in your mind, ever going to look for a new league potentially? Or do you feel like, hey, they're happy where they're at. They're, they're very comfortable. It's been a long-time relationship they've had with the West Coast Conference, their faith-based institutions they're all aligned with. Do you think that they're content where they're at, or do you think they will keep their eyes open to other opportunities? I think they're absolutely going to keep their eyes open. I think, you know, Gonzaga made some some idle threats to leave sure. the WCC a couple <laughs> yeah. of years ago. Um, and to, to the point where they had the, Mount, the Mountain West voted and vote, unanimously voted to accept Gonzaga into the conference before the WCC uh, ended up caving on a couple of Gonzaga's, uh, I don't want to use the word demands, we'll say requests, but um, which involves like the Gonzaga gets a higher percentage of the TV deal when they go to the NCAA tournament and doesn't have to play the worst two teams in the conference so they can use those to add more non-conference games. So they kind of strong-armed their way into getting some things that they wanted from the WCC, which to me doesn't necessarily indicate that they're just going to be super content staying there forever. Obviously losing BYU is a significant loss for Gonzaga. It's two big games that they lose out of their schedule. I think they're going to try to continue the relationship and continue to play them. But now that becomes one of their very precious non-conference games that they get to use. Uh, And so not having those two games in the regular season just hurts their schedule a little bit more. I don't, there's just not a lot of good options. You know, I, I think a lot of people who, who want Gonzaga to leave, who think, hey, this, you know, why don't they just go join a real conference? You know, the phrase that people have said about Gonzaga forever, it's not that simple. They don't have a football program. That's obviously a, a huge deterrent for joining, you know, some like the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or something like that. 
Um, other, the only other basketball centric conference that doesn't have football that makes sense is the Big East, but the, geographically it doesn't make any sense at all. It would be extremely difficult to pull that off, uh, especially with the rest of their, you know, their Olympic sports. Your tennis team traveling to Providence twice a year or once a year is just not feasible. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really challenging uh, that I, I don't think that it's a challenge they could overcome necessarily. So unless they find a way to do basketball only with the, with the Big East, which would be awesome, uh, I don't think the Mountain West is a big enough upgrade unless – I mean, now it will be because BYU's out. It'll be a bit more of an upgrade, but I'm still not sure if they're actually willing to to make that move uh, because, like you said, the faith-based institutions that geographically, like the WCC makes sense for them in a lot of ways. I think they're going to try to pressure the WCC to add a, a high-profile basketball program to replace BYU. But again, I've combed through that list and I don't see anybody that's going to be nearly the level that BYU is, which kind of just makes, you know, they're just going to add a worse team, which doesn't really help all that much. It'll be interesting. There's no doubt about that. Do you want slash expect BYU and Gonzaga to continue to schedule each other in non-conference basketball? Yeah, I think they should. I mean, I think they, I think they will. Um, but I, I think it would be nice. Uh, the fan bases have certainly had their fun with each other. Uh, it's, it's the game that's been going on for obviously a long time, uh, at least what 10, 10, 11 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's been so, that long, but it has been. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it was the year cause Jimmer was right after Jimmer. I think that they started. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think they'll probably continue it. I think it would be fun. It's it's you know geographically it makes sense. It's not hard. Uh, it's a good way for both schools to pick up uh, you know a quad one game, uh, basically every single season for the most part. Um, I, I think it it's the kind of game that I would like to see them continue. Like I, they keep scheduling U Dub, and that game is not doing them any good. So like I'd rather go play go play uh, BYU when you guys are are over in the Big Twelve. I think it'll just kind of be good for both sides. Uh, last thing for me here, Andy, is what has been your take on BYU's tenure as part of the West Coast Conference? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously there was some expectation that BYU would come in and, and make Gonzaga or make the WCC a two-bid conference kind of every single year. It didn't happen every single year. It has happened. It will have happened about half the years, assuming that BYU makes the tournament this year, which looks like a, a decent bet. Um, I, I think it's, it's clearly helped. There's no debate that it has helped make the WCC better, uh, specifically in basketball, though I imagine. Uh, well, is, it, is they're only in for basketball, is that correct? Or are they for other sports, too? You're talking about BYU and the WCC? Yeah. They're, they're all sports outside. I think uh, men's volleyball is in the Mountain Pacific. but Right. Uh, sure, so, that makes sense. So all sports outside of football, I guess men's volleyball, are all WCC. So they've been in for the, the full full runs so far. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean I think yeah, I, I yeah, because I've followed Gonzaga's baseball team and they they definitely played BYU. So it's been I think it's been good for the conference in general. Certainly, obviously BYU uh, doesn't fit the you know they're they're a much bigger university. They're farther east than every other school in the university uh, or in the conference. So I think it's been a little bit interesting in that regard. But I think it's good for the WCC to be willing to expand their horizons in that regard. Uh, certainly when it helps, you know, with their biggest revenue generating sport in basketball, I'm hoping that that means that they're willing to think outside the box uh, this next time that they want to do some expansion and try to find somebody else. Because I think BYU helped in a lot of ways. Uh, it would have, you know, certainly I think having both teams make the tournament for all 10 years would have maybe helped uh, 
curb some of the complaints that people have about the WCC, but I think some of those people probably would have just complained regardless. They, they don't acknowledge St. Mary's exists, even though they've been a really good basketball program. Uh, nobody wants to believe that San Francisco is actually good, even though they are actually good. So I, I don't, I don't know that it would have helped with that too much, but I think it's been nice for Gonzaga to have another team that really challenges them. I mean, again, you look at the, the team that went to the national championship in 2016 and played North Carolina. I think that, that BYU loss helped them a lot. Uh, I was not happy the day that that game happened because it ruined their undefeated season. But I think that that game, and I've talked to players on that roster who said that that really woke them up, that they're not invincible. They can lose. They had some serious heart-to-heart meetings, some players-only meetings. They got their crap together. They went out and ran through the NCAA tournament and went all the way to the national championship game. So in that regard, I think like BYU has been a significant part of Gonzaga's kind of ascension to where they have gotten um, and I don't think that a lot of BYU fans want to think of themselves in that way necessarily, but I do think that they have been a, a positive uh, part of Gonzaga's growth, and it'll be a bummer to not have them uh, not play them twice a year. I think I speak for most BYU fans when they say that the Gonzaga series, the the, the the association that BYU's had with them, I think BYU fans have really enjoyed it. And I, I think I speak for BYU fans when I say the hope is that, yes, that Gonzaga and BYU will continue to schedule each other in hoops. There's no doubt about that. But, Andy, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to join me here. It's been good to catch up with you, and I hope this is not the last time we do this. Let's put it that way. Absolutely not, man. Thanks, Jake. I really appreciate you having me on. And there you have it, folks. Andy Patton from Locked On Zags. Follow the show, Locked On Zags. You can follow Andy at Score Zags Score. Does a great job covering all things Gonzaga. And I, like Andy, hope that BYU and Gonzaga continue to play in the non-conference schedule. But only time will tell on that front. But I think there's interest on both sides, from both the fan perspective, the player-coach perspective, and I'm assuming the administration uh, perspective that ultimately would schedule the game. I think you can expect that Gonzaga and BYU probably will be playing in the non-conference. But nonetheless, a huge thank you to Andy Patton for spending some time with us here on Locked On Cougars on a Friday ahead of that matchup between BYU and Gonzaga tomorrow night down there at the Marriott Center. All right, that's going to do it for this Friday edition of the show. A big thank you to all of you for taking some time. As I have said early and often uh, while I've been on vacation, I'll say this again, anything huge that breaks while I'm out, I'll cover it as soon as I'm back. I am back midweek next week, but in the meantime, there will not be a postcast edition tomorrow night of the podcast. Just I know that's going to break your heart, but it is what it is. But nonetheless, a huge thank you once again for taking the time to check out this podcast. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys now to make sure that you check out Locked On Big 12. Make it your second listen here at BYU's new conference home. They're going to be joining the Big 12 in 2023. We might as well get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 with our good friend Josh Neighbors who hosts that show. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for taking the time to download the show. Have a great weekend whenever you hear this. And of course, we'll be back with you guys on Monday. Some great interviews next week. Mike Littlewood, BYU baseball coach. Houston Haymuley, BYU fullback. We got a lot to come next week, so stay tuned for all of that. Also, Matt Brown from Extra Points as well. Uh, he'll also be talking about the future of BYU sports and the Power Five, as well as just the overall future of the NCAA. We got a lot for you guys coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 4th, 2022, and we will talk to you guys soon.